there's no right or wrong way to widow. Welcome to Seeing Death Clearly. I'm your host, Jill McLennan, a death doula and end-of-life coach. Seeing Death Clearly is a show that challenges you to think about your beliefs around death, dying, grief, and living life. Because the more you think about your beliefs, the healthier relationship with death will become and the more you will live a better life. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Rebecca Johnson. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So there's a few things I just want to start off with just so that the listeners get a little bit of a background. If you don't mind telling us uh, how old you are, um, where you originally come from, and maybe even like what religion you were raised with. So we know a little bit about your background. Um, I'm 46. I'm from North Carolina. Um, I don't necessarily think I was raised with a religious background, although we did go to a Southern Baptist church with my grandmother occasionally on Sundays. Okay. That's yeah. And being from New Jersey, um, I don't really know that much about like the Southern Baptist religion. I mean, I grew up very Catholic, you know, we didn't have a, you know, Southern Baptist type of um, church near us. So that's something that's very new to me. You know, is that something that you think affected the way that you thought about death and dying when you were a child, or was it more just your family's beliefs? I think it was more my family's beliefs because we didn't attend church that much. So from the biblical sense, I don't think that had a very big impact on my life. Did you have anybody die when you were younger that you were close with that maybe you had to, you know, watch the process of them dying and then go through the funeral? Or was that something that you were a little bit older the first time you experienced it? That's interesting because now I'm trying to think about the first death experience that I had. It was actually my mother's mom, but we weren't very close as with a grandparent grandchild relationship. We weren't that close. So I remember when she passed away, I don't remember the exact age, maybe 11, 12. But I remember when she, my mom came in and told me, I was just like, okay. I didn't quite understand what it meant. There was a funeral and there was a family gathering, but I I don't think I understood it at the time. So now I'm thinking about funerals, you know, up in New Jersey where I'm from, they're very, you know, the open casket, things are very quiet. You know, everybody's kind of talking really like hushed. There's not a lot of life essentially behind funerals. But I know that I've talked to people that have grown up in different areas of the country, just different cultures, that sometimes there's a lot more that is like happening. And to me, that's still kind of new. I haven't really been to funerals like that. So like, what was your experience, especially at, you know, the age of 11, you know, were you kind of viewing it as something that was scary or was it more just kind of calm? Like, what was that experience like? For me, I just remember being very calm. I know this is just horrible to say, but at that age, because I didn't have a close relationship with her, it didn't affect me the way that it did 
like my cousins that my cousin who was very close to her, like he was obviously upset. But I think that plays a big part in the connection that you have with somebody when they passes away, how, how you feel about that. And for me being young, because there wasn't a relationship there and I didn't feel that honestly, I didn't feel that she loved (laughs) any other grandchild, but the one when she passed away, I was just like, okay, that's, I just, I remember there was a funeral and I remember the family gathering and it was just a time to see family. But for me at that age, at that time, it didn't, it didn't mean anything other than that. Do you think that you've grieved not having your grandmother be that loving kind of grandma that we see in movies and TV shows throughout your life? Or was that something that overall you were like, I don't know, it is what it is and it's okay. Well, luckily I had another set of grandparents (laughs) and now that grandmother, um, when she passed away, I was much older. I was an adult and, um, that passing was very difficult for me. Yeah. Were you there um, for the process or was it just something where you weren't really near her and then she died and then you went through the grieving process? We were very close. I was there the day of that she passed. She passed away of pancreatic cancer and the whole family was there at the house. And so we were all there when she actually passed away. Did you want to be there or was it kind of just what you did because that's what you're supposed to do? No, I I wanted to be there. I think everybody that was there wanted to be there because she was she was that glue that like I get emotional just mm-hmm. thinking about now um, so many years later, but she was definitely that glue that held our family together. And I think everyone was there because she loved our family so much and she liked when people were together and everybody wanted to be there for her. How did your family handle her death and like the after words of her death? Were they um, still really connected? Because I know as a death doula, I come across families that basically fall apart when the glue is gone. I think that's very sad, but I mean, it's not my place to judge their experience. Yeah, I definitely think there was there was a lot of falling apart. Everybody kind of went their separate ways in the family. Uh, It was a little bit more difficult for me because it was my father's mother and he keeps a distance anyway. I had a, a large, I had a very big relationship with my aunts and my cousins and for all of them to everyone go off into their own separate directions. I felt kind of left behind for a really long time. But over the recent years, my family has really tried their best to get together, be together for more gatherings and activities and family events. And I feel like people are coming together a little bit more, but you could definitely see the change in the family dynamic after 
my grandma died. That's so common that, yeah, the family dynamic is going to change, but that unfortunately sometimes, you know, I know even with me and my family, once the elders were gone, you know, like my grandmother and all her siblings, even though we want to see each other, it's just hard. It's hard for all the cousins to get together now and make that time. And so we did that once last year, we got together for uh, somebody's birthday. And then of course, at the birthday, all of us are like, oh, we have to do this more often. We only do this at weddings and funerals. And at this point, most of us are not having weddings anymore. (laughs) We're moving into more funerals, but it's just, it's hard. It's hard when that family kind of, you know, just, we all have spread out so much physically in location as well. Nowadays, I feel like people move a lot more than when my grandmother was younger. You know, we all kind of stayed in the same place back then, but now we move around a lot. So That is true. Yeah, that definitely makes it harder. You know, really, I want to know in the last few years. Now, I know you have a podcast. Can you tell us what your podcast is called? The name of my podcast is Love Is Not Dead, Just My Husband. I saw that name and I thought, wow, first off, I'm sorry to hear about your husband, but I just love the name of that podcast because I think that says a lot about you and who you are and your sense of humor, but also, you know, your love still that you have for your husband. If you don't mind, you know, sharing the story of really about even you and him, how you met, like your life together. I would love to hear more about that. 23 years ago, we worked together, not on the same shift, but, you know, because we worked at the same restaurant and had mutual friends, we ended up dating. It was really just a joke. Actually, I happened to be on the same shift as him and somebody wanted me to work, cover her shift on like a particular day coming up and I, and I, he was sitting beside me and I said, no, I can't work that day. I said, actually me and Tom have a date. And he looked at me and give me, he gave me this really strange look and I just hit him on the side of the leg. And he's like, oh yeah. He said, we're going to the movies. Right. And I'm like, yeah. He said, what did you want to see? So then we started having this whole conversation and the girl was just shocked one, like, okay, um, you're dating. And she just walked off like just end of conversation. It just, it was a total joke. And then when the day came, um, I called him and I said, Hey, did you still want to go to the movies? And he said, do you really want to go to the movies with me? I'm like, why not? Let's go. So that's kind of how it started. It, it was just a, it was a joke to someone to get out of work. Oh my God. I love that. That is such a fun story about your first date. Um, and then how long were you together before you got married? Um, we were together a few years before we actually got married. I think maybe three or four years. We got married in 2003 and then we, we actually divorced in 2009 and then got back together and remarried again in 2014 on the same day we married in 2003. So, and then we were together for four years before he passed away. Oh, that is really interesting. So (laughs) I know, you know, a lot of the times when people talk about grief, they talk about death, but like divorce is another grief that we have in life. And so the fact that you got divorced and then you got back together, I think that's actually really beautiful. I've met a couple couples that have done that. And I don't know, I always think that's really interesting to kind of go through that process and then end up back together again. Yeah, it was. And what did your husband die from? 
the report said a heart attack. So, but he, he passed away in his sleep. Wow. So then very sudden. It was very sudden. And how old was he when he died? 51. Oh yeah. And that's young, youngish, mm-hmm. but young. Is there any parts of that that you would feel comfortable sharing with the listeners about your sure. initial experience of what that was like for you? It was it was difficult for me because I wasn't there with him physically when it happened. I was in another state. So he was in Kentucky and I was here in North Carolina. So that part was difficult. The anxiety of trying to get there, to be there, to be with him, even knowing that once I got there, I couldn't be with him. That I think that was the most difficult part for me. Yeah, that sounds like that would be very difficult. Did the two of you ever have conversations before he had died about what really any of your wishes were, whether even you wanted to be buried or cremated, like any of those types of conversations? Yes, actually, it's it's so interesting that you even asked. Probably a few years before he passed away, he was a pallbearer at, I want to say, seven or nine funerals of friends that he went to school with. It seemed like someone was constantly calling him and saying, do you want to be a pallbearer? Do you want to be a pallbearer? And he was really noticing that these people that are his same age was dying. The year before he passed away, he was actually a little morbid. He would say things to me, what are you going to do if if you find me lying on the ground? Because he was 6'3", 300 pounds. He would say, what are you going to do if you find me lying on the ground? You can't even pick me up. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call 911. And he, he would just say things like that. And we did talk about death. We talked about funerals. We talked about cremation, exactly what he wanted, what he didn't want. So in that sense, I, I felt like I was prepared that I knew what he wanted. It's definitely an odd conversation, I think, to have at that time, but now not so much. If somebody wants to talk to me about their wishes, I'm fine with it. I tell my family all the time what I expect to happen when I pass away. That's great. It's so important to have those conversations because we really never do know, you know, any of us could go to bed tonight and not wake up tomorrow. Not thinking about it isn't going to prevent it from happening. You know, so often I think we get scared to think about what we would want at the end of life. Like pushing it away is going to keep death away. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. No, no. And so how many years ago was this? May next year will be five years. So in May, it will be five years. So I'm sure the grief process has changed for you over the last couple of years. It has. It has. Is there anything that you have found has been really helpful for you in the grieving process? You know, I, during my process, I didn't read any books on grieving and I didn't look things up online. I feel like I approach grief the way that I approach everything else in life. And I think maybe that has a lot to do with not really having a religious background and more of, I treated it as, I treated it as a job. It was a task. You have to do it. You have to get through it. You have to push through it. You know, when you're younger and, and, and your parents are like, no use crying about it, just 
get in there and do it, you know, stop whining, don't procrastinate. And I feel like that's how I handled it. Like I handled it as if it was a task and that if I could get through the task and I can complete everything, then it would be over. But that's not, (laughs) that's, that's not how it works. (laughs) And that, and I I didn't find that out until much later. um, Cause there was like a delay. There was other things that happened and happened and happened, but that's kind of how mentally I treated it. Like let's, let's get it done and over with and, um, and move on to the next thing because there's no sense of crying about it. It's not going to bring them back. And I don't think I allowed myself the time that I needed to grieve, you know, properly. If there's a way to do that properly, like I feel like I didn't cry enough or, or I feel like maybe other people didn't think that I cried enough or was I too strong? Was I just pretending to be too strong? It sometimes it's hard to explain. <laughs> No, I think that makes sense. We put expectations on ourselves as to how we should grieve. I do think that other people also put expectations on us, depending on your relationship to the person that's died of like, oh, well, she's, she doesn't look that upset, you know, like, oh, her husband just died, but she doesn't look that upset. Well, everybody deals with our emotions differently. Maybe you did all of your crying in private. And so on the outside, that wasn't the part of you. Like, I don't like that humans judge each other that way. Because they do, we all do, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, in the long run, your grieving is going to be different than everybody else's grieving. Everybody's going to do it a different way. And there's really no right or wrong. I mean, if you feel okay now, not that it's ever going to be good, but if you feel okay now about the process, then you're still going to go through it. I'm sure for the rest of your life at different moments, you did the process the way that you needed to. And I actually like that you said you kind of took it on almost as like a job of, I have to do this thing. So how am I going to do it in the best way for me rather than avoiding it and being like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And like shoving it all away for it to eventually explode out and bubble up eventually anyway. And when did you decide to do your podcast? It has been in the talks since earlier this this year, uh, I didn't start to actually really dig into it until the summer. And then over the past few months is when it really, really started to become real. And what do you, what is your main, because I know the title of the podcast, but do you have just widows on? Like what's your podcast really about? Grief is, it's for everyone and everyone does it differently. There's a lot of stereotypes about widows and most of the widows that the support books and things are for, are for widows who were, there's always this expectation or that there it was like a happy marriage you know not all widows or people grieving in general need that same support like not all widows want to hear you constantly reliving these wonderful memories about their spouse because maybe they don't have wonderful memories and i think there's just so many different types of widows out there i want to find the ones that have those stories they're not the romanticized versions of widows. Yeah. I really like that because I think you're, you're hitting on 
an important point that we can love somebody, but not always have the greatest relationship. So sometimes when somebody dies, there can actually be almost a sense of relief that that relationship is ended for you. You can still grieve them, but it will feel different than somebody that is in, you know, their best friend, the like love of their life. You know, when that person dies, it's like a part of them is now gone. I know one of my friends, her husband died when she was younger. You know, they were probably in their thirties. And one of her biggest things was, you know, she had a young child, all these support groups that she was trying to find grief support groups. It was all like older women that are, you know, like there, there there was no childcare. So what was she going to do with her kid while she tried to go find this support? And so she found that she almost had no support because she couldn't find the widow support system that she needed because everything that was out there was geared towards something so different than her experience. And I'm I'm glad you said that too, because for me, I stereotype widows as just old people and never thought ever that there was anyone married and young and their spouse died. You just, you don't think that way. And then um, I had a similar problem that she did. All of the support groups that I was finding were widows with children. Like they have children or and their lives revolve around their children. So they need support for that. Or there's widows and they're remarried and they're having more children. I'm 46. I don't, I'm not saying I don't want to remarry, but I don't want to have any more children. And so what's going on for me in my life is not going to be the same for those widows that are, could be younger or my age with children. And then I can't relate to the widows who are older because their lives are a little bit more different. You know, I'm still working and everyone, it's very hard finding that right support group, that particular support group for for you and your needs. A lot of the support group is new widows. So my thing is, where are the other widows? Where are the widows who've been working on it for a few years and they're at a different stage? Like those are the widows that I want to find because that's where I find myself. Like what's next? That's a good point that everybody is going to have a different experience. They're going to need a different type of support. There's something that can be learned from somebody that has been a widow for two years, five years, 10 years. You know, everybody is going to have their different experiences. It seems to me so often one of the biggest things, especially I think if you lose a spouse is it just can be so lonely because your whole life changes as far as even your social circle and the way that people interact with you and think having the support of other people that have gone through something similar is so important in that case. So that you're just not so alone because we are social creatures as humans. You know, we, we need that support, even if sometimes we don't always want it. Have you found your support network mainly in person or is that something you've been able to find online? Honestly, I still don't have a a support network. I'm with the podcast. I am starting a private Facebook group to maybe find my people Mm -hmm. because there are podcasts that I really enjoy and there, there are a few Facebook groups that I'm in, but I still just, you know, 
I don't feel that they're quite that fit for me and where I'm at. It's difficult to hear someone post that their spouse just died. And it's not that I'm insensitive or I don't care. But for me, I feel like it's reopening a wound. And it's like picking at a scab. If you keep picking at it, if you keep picking at it, it's, it's not going to heal. So for me, that doesn't do me any good to be in a support group that has new widows because it's just going to constantly rehash those memories and that time. I mean, I still have moments now where I just cry uncontrollably for no reason and stare at a picture and just can't get it together. But I don't want to be in a group where I'm going to relive that every, that moment every single day. That makes sense. Yeah. And most of the support that I've gotten, oddly enough, has not been from grief or widow support groups. As long as you're getting the support you need, it doesn't really matter where that's coming from. And I, I know like, I love my Facebook group. I found it's been a great way for me to connect with like-minded people. And so I'm hopeful that that'll be the same thing for you. Because what is the name of your Facebook group? The Facebook group is going to be the same as the podcast. It's Widow Your Way. And then Love Is Not Dead, Just My Husband. Well, I hope you have lots of beautiful people in your Facebook group that can feel like you're you know, your little group of support that you're looking for. Cause that's the great thing with Facebook that I found is, I mean, that's where we connected, you know, that I've been able to connect with so many people that want to have the same types of conversations that I want to have. We want to kind of be there for each other. And I love that part of social media. Some of the other stuff I could leave behind, but you know, I really like the connection part of social media. Is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with today? I think it's very important for widows in the grieving process and how they decide to live their lives that we hear all the time that there's no right or wrong way to widow. People tell us that, like we need the extra encouragement and maybe we do. But the thing is, do we really listen to that? Do we really live like there is no right or wrong way? I still think even though we say that to ourselves, we still don't necessarily do it. And that is part of the awareness that I want to bring is just taking the action to actually widow your own way. You say you're going to do it. Everyone encourages you to do it, but then you feel stuck or afraid. What if I actually do widow my own way? What if I actually say something? Or do something that another person doesn't think that is how a widow should act. But if it's if it's going to bring you happiness and it's going to help you move forward just a little bit more with your own life, because we're the ones that are still alive. We are the ones that have to live. We tell ourselves to widow our own way, but I don't think we all actually do it. I find myself sometimes I don't actually do it. I say that I'm doing it, but I don't actually do it. Sometimes I step back into that stereotypical widow role that I think other people expect of me. I'm still trying to come out of that and and overcome that as well. Well, thank you for giving our listeners permission to widow, 
would know their own way, even though I can't say it. Um, (laughs) Because you're right. I think we try to play a role that we think people expect. And sometimes it just takes somebody giving us permission to do things our own way. And it's an important reminder, this space that you're in, being able to widow your own way. So thank you for sharing that. And I will definitely put a link in the show notes to your podcast. Um, If there's anything else you want to link to, just let me know. We'll drop it in there. But I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your story with me and with my listeners, um, because I think it'll really help a lot of people that are going through something similar and don't feel that connection to know that they're not alone, that it's not just them. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.